Hey. Hey. Well, I'm Ashley. And I'm Tania. You're listening to another episode of QID. The podcast that's going to help you not get scammed. Ooh, amen, amen. What a great, great episode we had today. Oh Oh my gosh. It was so, so informative. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was really great information that is needed on all levels before you get married, when you get married, and while you're going through marriage. We talk about it all. We talk about finances. We talk about credit. We talk about scammers and lord i had no idea the the amount of scammers that are out here and think that you could get scammed in a wedding oh you absolutely can and it's so easy especially because you're you know you're distracted thankfully adam he gives you the red flags he tells you everything definitely does he definitely does he's such a great guest i really want to bring him back because you could tell too that he has so much knowledge around this and there are just so many ways you can get scammed some that are the more obvious where like oh you go with a vendor that's just not worth anything and you find out oh you know they didn't provide the service that you were expecting or they ghosted you or whatever but then there are also like layers and levels to how people can try to scam you because you're in a very vulnerable state. You're planning your wedding, you know, um, and some of your defenses are down during that time. So y'all are definitely going to enjoy this episode. We are so excited to have you here. We have a very special guest with us. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, first of all, Ashley and Tania, thank you so much for inviting me to come on your show and lower your digital property values. But here I am. Uh, My name is Adam Levin, former Consumer Affairs Director for the state of New Jersey. I was the founder of CyberScout, co-founder of Credit.com, and co-host of the podcast, What the Hack with Adam Levin. We are so excited to have you here. And if you haven't listened to What the Hack, please do so. You're definitely going to enjoy it because, you know, there's like a thousand stories. There are so many stories. And I'm really excited for us to even just talk about it in the scheme of weddings because we've heard about so many. We've even, I don't say, I don't think we've personally experienced any, but we've we've read some stories. We've heard of some stories where... And some of this in my mind is like, are you really scammed or were you just not paying attention to the details early on? You know, sometimes the writing is on the wall there. (laughs) But again, we're so excited to have you on. Um, Can you take us back to, you said you were um, director of consumer affairs at the, for the state of New Jersey, right? Yes, that was about 14 centuries ago, but uh, (laughs) 1977 to 1982, And the Division of Consumer Affairs in New Jersey in those days, and I think still continues today, uh, to be one of the most powerful consumer protection agencies in the country. We had uh, 28 agencies under the division, 
everything from the Office of Consumer Protection, Bureau of Charities, Bureau of Securities, all of the professional boards, doctors, nurses, dentists, pharmacists, engineers, the list went on and on. Also the Employment Bureau, as well as the Bureau of Weights and Measures. Uh, So uh, we had a lot of different agencies involved. And the whole point was protecting legitimate businesses, as well as protecting consumers. And our mission, uh, in addition to enforcement proceedings, was also the education of consumers uh, as to what their rights are, what the red flags were. And I had an opportunity over a five-year period to give about 1,500 speeches. So it was a very educationally oriented job. And I loved every minute of it. I love that. And you're still doing essentially that now. You're still educating and helping people not fall victim to all the different things that could occur if, you know, they're not careful. Well, the truth is, you know, especially in the times we're living in today, government hadn't done enough. Business isn't doing enough. And frankly, even consumers aren't doing enough. And as the the CEO of Microsoft said about a year and a half ago, we all have a shared responsibility. I mean, we're living in a world now where breaches have become the third certainty in life behind death and taxes. And with that, there have been billions of compromises. Billions of files are out there right now. And and as a result, we have to understand the fact our information is probably out there. So as much as we'd like everyone else to protect us, We have to protect ourselves because when we click on the wrong link or we open the wrong attachment or we use weak passwords or we don't use two-factor authentication or we don't freeze our credit or we don't check our credit reports or monitor our credit scores or we don't sign up for an interesting thing called transaction alerts, which would be very important during wedding season and in life. And that is that you're notified by your bank or your credit card company anytime there's activity in your account and the bank may miss it. I mean, think about this. Tens of millions of credit and debit cards are sold on the dark web every day. And one of the features that the cards are sold by uh, is zip code. And so Mm. if you're shopping or uh, living or working in an area where your credit card charges appear, the bank may think that's normal. But if you see that transaction alert, you may say, wait a minute, that wasn't me. I wasn't around the corner yesterday. I was two states away on a business trip. I never thought about it from that perspective. I guess these, I mean, these crooks are like, they're next level now. You know, they're not... (laughs) They're not just taking our stuff and then going a thousand miles away and using it. They're using it at home, which is wild. And I think I have that protection on my credit cards, but I don't have that protection on my debit. But the good thing is, is that I usually check my accounts often. And so I know what's coming in, what's coming out. But I do know that there's a lot of people who don't. So um, and so, yeah, so definitely that protection is definitely needed. And that's why it's it's extremely important that if given the choice of using a debit card versus a credit card, use a credit card. Because remember, the debit card is the gateway straight into your bank account. So if you use a debit card, that's your money. If you use a credit card, that's the credit card company's money. 
until bill time comes along. So you have more time to dispute something and you don't have a situation where money in your bank account is blocked at a time when you desperately need it because there's an investigation going on to find out whether or not it was fraud or you just didn't want to own up to charging something. I can already tell this is going to be already. Yeah. (laughs) We're we're saying the same thing. Like this is going to be a good episode. I can already tell. All right. Well, before we dive into the like 15 questions we have, let's start out with the game of this or that, which is what we do every week. Um, We play a game where basically you select between one option or the other. You explain why. And because you are a wonderful guest, (laughs) Adam, (laughs) we'll let you go first. Now, Uh I will say the theme for this week, of course, is based on what we're talking about, which is like wedding scams and things like that. But I want you to pick what you think is the worst scenario. So just kind of a little disclaimer there before we get started. So to start... Would you prefer to have the DJ that only accepts cash or the DJ that only accepts checks? I think probably the DJ that only accepts checks. Okay. And the reason is because at least you can track a check. Very true. You can't, once the money is out of your possession, it's gone. Very true. Well, Tania? I agree. And if I had no other option, then I would say I would need some form of receipt. But I am in agreement with the check. Now, I will say a lot of people don't use checks. Well, at least, I mean, like whenever I'm like, oh, well, I can write a check. They're like, oh, you know, I mean, it's very interesting. Like, I don't think a lot of millennials or maybe I'm speaking out of turn. But I mean, but yeah, I really feel like a lot of millennials don't use checks anymore. I mean, I still have my checks and I still keep them coming. But if I had to use cash, then I think I would need like some type of documentation stating that I paid you in full and we can go from there. But definitely the checks. I agree with you, especially about the millennial part and having checks. I recently discovered a full book of checks that I, um, I guess, in season one of the pandemic, I ordered. But then I completely <laughs> <laughs> lost. And now I'm going to have to, well, I'll just let that be tomorrow's problem with the updating <laughs> the name and all of that stuff. But anywho, long story to say. I at first was going to lean towards cash, but yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, you can't track cash. And once that's gone, that's gone. Um, But checks, yeah, for sure. So I'm with both of you. Checks all the way. Um, I mean, I think that if I might interrupt, the, the, mm-hmm. a reason why someone may say, look, if you give me cash, I'll charge you $1,200. But if you're giving me a check, then I need $1,300 or $1,350. Mm -hmm. Uh, But generally, cash is better for them. Checks could well be better for you. So it's like you're paying for that extra comfort, like ease of, you know, you know, I'm trying to say. Convenience. Yes. I'm having a brain fart moment. But but then again, they could theoretically cash the check immediately. And then it doesn't matter anyway. But at least if someone says you never paid this person, you go, don't be ridiculous. Here's a canceled check. Exactly. Very good point. Okay. All right. So round two, would you prefer to have a makeup artist that asks for your social security number upon booking 
Or would you prefer to have a makeup artist that asks for your driver's license upon booking? And just pretend that you're booking a makeup artist, Adam. <laughs> no. And I, frankly, as you can see, looking at me today, I only should have had a makeup artist. But you never, never want to give out your social security number, ever, if you can avoid it. So, you know, both are high risk, potentially, but a social security number is even a little bit more high risk uh, because the social security number is, that's the skeleton key to your life. Now, you may not hear this from other people, but there's another skeleton key to your life, and that's your cell phone number, because your cell phone number is now more ubiquitous than your social security number. Because everywhere you go, people ask you for that number. That number is also the second part of two-factor authentication for most people, because the magic code goes to your trusted device, and most people would prefer it to go to their mobile phone than to their computer. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, you run a big risk with the fact that your phone number is out there and there's a number of people out there that have figured out ways to stealing your number. <laughs> it's called SIM swapping, which is they pay somebody off at the phone company or they convince somebody at your mobile provider that they're you and they just forgot the social security number, or they got a new device and boy, it would be great if, if they could get a little help here. So be careful with where you give out your phone number and always be conscious of the fact that, you know, it can be used against you at a time when you don't want it to be used. Wow. We had no idea. No. People are very crafty these days. Scaring is caring. Just remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. I'm not that far away from getting hacked out of my Instagram account. <laughs> that was about what, two months ago? Yeah. Two months? Or was it January? Mm-hmm. It was February. Thank goodness I got my account back. But I was even surprised I allowed that to happen to me. But anyway, <laughs> to Nia, <laughs> what would you prefer? Which makeup artist? Uh, maybe the one with my ID. Um, the social security number, no, I'm like, so what are you going to do with that? You know, um, I understand why they need the ID, um, you know, because a lot of makeup artists have been, um, scammed. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I would say the ID. I would agree. Um, that question was actually inspired by someone we know (laughs) that had something happen to her and, she then had to implement uh, getting license um, as a part of the booking process, not social security. Um, that just, I don't understand why social security would come to play in weddings at all. Um, okay. Round three. All right. Would you prefer to get ghosted by a vendor after the wedding or get ghosted by a vendor before the wedding? So this is someone you've already paid money to, but then either they don't show up before or you can't get them afterwards. So maybe think of like a photographer or videographer or someone that has something you need. Well, the other question is how quickly are you ghosted? Good point. Because, you know, the the thing is I would rather, if I'm going to be ghosted, get ghosted in advance. So I could have at least had the option of looking for an alternative Mm -hmm. as opposed to being ghosted after when it's done and it's like, I can't go back. Right. So that 
and essentially is the answer. So what about you, Tania? I agree. I mean, of course this happened to me, but I'm, but I'm so thankful that it happened to me in the, in the very beginning of wedding planning instead of towards the end. I mean, I think I would be in tears if, you know, I hired someone they came into their job and then, for example, at the photographer or the videographer, and then I just never got my pictures or I never got my video back after spending the money, paying them in full. So definitely I would rather get ghosted in the very beginning so I can look for someone else. Uh, yes. Good point. And I'll be honest, I completely forgot about that when I was putting this together. So that was not like a inspired by you type of thing, but yeah, I would, I guess, prefer to get ghosted beforehand versus after. I'm also, I like to advocate for wedding insurance. So I feel like once you've paid money, you know, if you don't show up, don't do whatever, well, I can file a claim and hopefully recuperate uh, those losses. Um, all right. So the final round, and then we'll dive into these questions. Would you prefer a videographer that returns your wedding videos, edit it in a completely different style than the online portfolio that you've basically selected them off of, or a videographer that holds your videos hostage unless you pay an additional $1,000. I had to close big, you know. There you go. <laughs> I, would, I think I would, I would rather have someone that edited it not the way I originally thought about it, but I could go back to them and say, I want the original footage and I'll get it edited my way, as opposed to being held hostage for a thousand after, because hopefully I might have a friend that would be competent enough to do it. Somebody I trusted that may charge me nothing or a little something, mm -hmm. but I just, gosh, being held hostage after something like that, it just, that gets you just all riled up. Exactly. I'm with Adam here. <laughs> I'm not paying. I, I feel loved. Uh, so. yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm not paying an extra $1,000 after, I mean, you know, if you haven't hired a videographer, just know that they are pretty penny. And I mean, I understand why, but I mean, after you've paid close to three to I would say three to eight thousand dollars for them to come and you know do everything. Like I'm not paying you another thousand dollars because that's you know that's not what we originally agreed on, and hopefully we have a contract in place. So, <laughs> so yes, you basically said what I was going to say. I would prefer the videos that were edited in a different style. I can deal with that, especially if you're going to give me all the raw footage later. I don't care anyway. Yeah, I'm going to my contract. Did the contract say I would have to pay an extra thousand dollars to get my footage? No, probably not, because I wouldn't have signed a contract that said that. Basically, once the wedding has happened, everybody should be paid. No one should be asking for any money afterwards. So that, to me, is a red flag. So, well, we are now done with this or that, and we can now dive into the wonderful world of wedding scams. Like I said before, I'm so excited that we're having this conversation because it happens a lot. I've seen it in Facebook groups. I've seen people complain about it on TikTok and Instagram and things like that. And I think I've even heard of a few stories of, you know, from friends or acquaintances where 
they were trying to work with a vendor, but then this vendor didn't do what they were supposed to do, or this vendor just didn't show up after collecting all this money. And I think, you know, like we were saying earlier, some of this is really like, yes, you were truly scammed. And then some of it is you just did not really do your research and you this is essentially what you paid for. This is what you essentially signed up for. You were just hoping to get probably a more favorable outcome. So, Tania, you can, I guess, take it away. All right. So what do all scammers have in common? They're opportunists. And there are a few occasions or events where they can't or at least won't try to exploit. But there are most of them, they will. Everything from a disaster like COVID or the Ukraine or floods or tornadoes, things that are like times of the year. You know, the scammers come out for Christmas. They come out for Valentine's Day. Not that romance scams don't occur all year long, but they they particularly cluster around Valentine's Day. You have scams around tax day and, you know, wedding scams. It's life events. What they will do is they will find out as much as they can about you, and they will try to use a life event in order to to get to you. And, you know, the, the message that I give to people is that, you know, we look in the mirror and we see us. But when a scammer looks at us, they see Jay-Z, Beyonce, Adam Levine, Sharon Stone, because we have what they want. We have money, we have data, or, and this is more on the the hacking side, but we're the tributary to a larger river, which means it's not about us. It's about a parent, a child, a spouse, where we work, a philanthropic organization that we're involved with. And we are the unwitting bridge for them to get across the river to where they want to go. So, you know, they never let a good crisis, a good life event or good world event go without exploiting them. That's what they do. And the thing also to keep in mind is we all have day jobs. We work, we raise families, we're involved in educational pursuits, we do philanthropic activities, we're traveling, we're busy, we're diverted. But to a hacker, they're not diverted. We are their day job. So that's really what we're up against. And scammers, hackers, you know, the same thing, whether it's state-sponsored, for-profit, cause-related, or because I can, uh, that's what's out there waiting for us. And a wedding is a perfect time for them to strike because we are emotional, we are overloaded, we are maniacally focused on one event, yet distracted as to so many others. And so while we're looking at here... They're over on the side door getting in because we don't realize that that's really what the game is. You're right. I mean, I'm currently in school getting my postmasters. And when I tell you, like, when I was in the process of planning, that's all that I could really focus on. I mean, of course, I did my work, but mainly all my focus was on the wedding. So you're right. You know, like we are always distracted. You know, we're thinking about this one big event. And yeah, that is the perfect time. So next question. What do all businesses or wedding vendors have in common? Well, if you're a legitimate business or a wedding vendor, which hopefully you're a legitimate wedding vendor, you should be able to make available testimonials and reviews from past clients 
and have a clean record with organizations like the Department of Consumer Affairs in your state, the Better Business Bureau, or one of a number of organizations that uh, that sort of monitor activities and try to protect consumers. But if you're a business and you can't present a history of a service you provided in the past, or if you have a long history of negative reviews and online complaints, uh, that's no bueno. <laughs> so it's it's very important. If you're the real deal, then you operate with real contracts, real disclosures. You know, the whole thing is one of the things Senator Elizabeth Warren always talked about with banks and everything. It's that businesses have a right to do what they do, provided that the consumers know the rules of the game in the process. And when they switch the rules on you or they don't have rules or they don't play by the rules they represent themselves to playing by, that's a big deal. And in this day and age with social media and people online, if somebody has a problem with somebody, they tend to get very loud very fast. <laughs> they will make a big fit and hope that this drives attention to whatever it is, regardless of what the true facts are. So what can brides or you know couples do to protect themselves from scams? Well, number one, do your homework. Number two, it'd be great to get a professional wedding planner who has a great reputation so that they can take a lot of the agony out of, out of what you're going through. But even with that, you still have to, you still are out there doing stuff too. Like you're buying a wedding dress, you're working with different vendors and contractors and, you know, be careful of going with the first offer. Cause it sounds like the greatest deal you ever had. You need to vet your vendors before any money or any credit changes hands. And you really need to carefully read every contract. And if they don't provide a contract, that's when the little hair on the back of your neck should go up and the flags should start flying red, buzzers, bells, whistles, that kind of stuff. I love a good red flag. I, I feel <laughs> like it's not that hard for me to throw a red flag out. Uh, <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> but, there, but there are a lot of people that want to give a little bit of grace and want to assume, or they're being cheap. Really, that's that's number one on the list. They're being cheap, or they're trying to cut corners. And even when it comes to their wedding day, so they're thinking, oh, this florist says she can do twenty centerpieces and like, you know. 15 corsages and boutonnieres and all the whatever and all Real this flowers. stuff. Yeah, yeah, for like $1,500. This has to be real. And it's like, she hasn't, what? No, like, do you know the cost of flowers? <laughs> no, this, what are, what is even happening? Um, and then, you know, down the line, you find out that that person's not legit. So that's, that's why reading reviews is so important. Mm -hmm. too, because you could have somebody say, oh, I can take care of this for you. And, and then you say, well, show me your reviews, show me your referrals. I'd like to call a couple of your prior customers. And if there's a reluctance to do that, that you know, this is the deal that is too good to be true because it is too good to be true. For sure. Like, I do not mind climbing into somebody's DMs and saying, hey, how was your experience with the vendor? I saw that you tagged their stuff on Instagram. Did you have a good time? I actually did that not too long ago. Well, that's like, that's like, did you get tagged or did you get tagged? 
So. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, so when it comes to payments, um, such as, and side note, Tania reconnecting, but this is my question anyway. She was so um, excited that she she had to she had to get herself back together again. So she said, "I have to go offline for a minute." So. <laughs> So when it comes to payments, should, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but should we as brides, grooms, couples to be all of that, should we pay for debit, should we pay with our debit cards, credit cards, cash app, Venmo, et cetera, et cetera, all of those different platforms? What's, what do you prefer? What do you think is best for us? It depends how, how much you trust the person you're doing business with. Hmm. Um, you know, obviously there are a lot of people use Zelle and they use Venmo, but once it's gone, it's gone. I mean, they both make it very clear to you. Once you press the send button, you're out of luck if something goes wrong. Uh, with a credit card, the beauty of it is it's the bank's money and, and they'll fight to a certain extent. And they will also uh, have, for most cases, a zero uh, penalty. Uh, so, uh, so it used to be $50. The maximum you could be liable for is 50 with a credit card. Now, effectively, that's down to zero. More and more debit cards are going to that as well. But the only issue is if it takes you a while to find out there was a problem, some banks are a little bit finicky in terms of when you notify them that there's an issue with something on your debit card as opposed to a, to a credit card. Again, it's the whole issue of it's your money versus their money. And there are people that will say, well, I, I need to use my debit card because I don't trust myself. Uh, I get carried away if it's a credit card. I kind of think, oh, I got some time. With a debit card, I know that it's pretty much instant. The response to that is you're an adult, act like an adult, and look at your credit card as if it were a debit card. Yeah. Pay it off exactly when you're supposed to pay it off, pay it all off. And right. so it effectively is a debit card because most credit cards give you a grace period anyway. Very, very true. Very, very true. So when it comes to social media, because you know, we love to post everything. We are showing off our ring. We're showing that we're, you know, in Tulum on a bachelorette trip and we're, you know, here and there, we're doing all these things. And now we're on the honeymoon. Do you think that, well, not do you think, but how can we reduce those chances of getting targeted through our social media behaviors? Well, first of all, realize that everybody's watching you on social media. Unless you have set your privacy controls to very strict, where only people who you know and you've allowed in can see what's going on. The only problem is you don't know whether somebody you know and you've allowed as part of a limited group of people has been hacked, then they don't know they've been hacked. So somebody's looking over their shoulder. So every time you have people who have to wave their ring in front of a camera or look at the new car that we just got in celebration of the wedding or this beautiful piece of artwork, or here's our new home, you have to realize that there's somebody out there that is looking at that and sizing you up as a large feathered cooing creature to be plucked. And you just have to be very careful with the amount of information that, that you provide. Uh, when you're on a trip, you know, there was a, a website a few years ago called pleaserobme.com. I don't know if they're still around, but 
they would take egregious examples of people sharing real time the most exquisite detail of their lives and in particular their trips because they would say if you're telling somebody where you are de facto you're telling them where you're not so you can be stalked or you can be burglarized so that's why it's better and and no one listens to this but the truth is it's better to share the memory than the real time experience because it could really come back to haunt you very very true shoot with even i mean i remember when we had the episode about contracts in 2020 shay was saying that wedding websites are also like a really great place for people to get information because it has both of your names on it it has your wedding date usually has the location and all of those details and so if you were nosy and wanted to you know kind of find out more information, you could just easily do that. And that information just stays up for a very long time, well after the wedding day. Um, Hopefully that wasn't something that someone's like, oh, I didn't think about that. Let me write that down. (laughs) Yes, there's always the possibility of providing the North Star for someone when we we talk about these things. But, you know, I'll give you another example. And and this is where you, you know, apply a, a... a wedding event or disclosures on social media to how you can be exposed. Uh, So many people post so many aspects of their lives, the facts on social media that they forget the fact that when you set up security questions and answers to all of your different accounts, when you tell the truth, uh, people who follow you on social media will find ways of extracting the truth from your social media posts. So Uh, My point is, look, you're going to live your life. You should live your life. But then you need to take certain precautions. Like, first of all, when you set up the answers to those security questions, lie like a superhero. I mean, Batman doesn't tell people he's Bruce Wayne and Superman's not running around going, look, I'm Clark Kent. I mean, Lois figured it out. But, you know, hey. So if your mother's last name is Smith, say it's Jones. If you went to Ridgewood High School, say you went to Sky High. The the important thing is when you are asked the question, as long as you give them the answer you provided when you set it up, doesn't matter if it's the truth. No one is investigating you as if you're getting a security clearance. All they want to know is when you set it up, what was the question and what was the answer? So it's consistency as opposed to veracity that counts. So that's why if you're going to be, you know, fast and loose and open with social media, then you have to be somewhat more circumspect, just like when you go to wedding sites and everything else, and you know, you're going to, your information, your financial information is going to be out there. Then you need to set up transaction monitoring. So you notify, you're notified when there's activity in your accounts. So then you can determine if that was you or not you. I actually follow a lot of people that are in high profile positions or whatnot, and they have made it a point where they don't actually post where they are like at the same time, just because they've had like stalkers and, you know, just people like just wanting to just come and pop up on them. So, yeah, so I've kind of started to do that as well. Like I won't post immediately. I'll post maybe like when I'm leaving or like I'll post a picture like, a day later and everyone's like, Oh, like, where are you? I'm like, Oh, I'm not there anymore. But I was at dot, dot, dot. So yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. 
But if I can add something too, and that is, mm-hmm. let's say that you are, um, you have certain customs, habits, like you go to a certain park or you're, you take your child to a certain park. This is now where it gets to the scary part. And you don't disable location services on your mobile devices. And you're happily snapping away pictures of your child. And let's say it's Susie and it's Susie's second birthday. And you're going, you know, Susie's second birthday today. And here we are. Well, someone who knows how to read the code on digital photographs, where the, di- the location services haven't been disabled, they can figure out where and when you were there. And so two or three days later, they can show up at the park and go up to little Susie and say, hey, Susie, I'm so sorry that I missed your birthday the other day. And I know, you know, being two is so much fun. And I saw all those great pictures that mommy posted online, but I have a special present for you. And I didn't want to just walk up with it in my hand because I didn't want to ruin the surprise. But if you'll just come with my car over there, I'll give you the present. And then little Susie becomes the present. Oh, wow. That's scary. It is. Oh, gosh. But, you know, I like I know that this happens on a daily basis. And so thank you so much for sharing that with us, because I know that, I mean, Ashley and I, but then also our listeners are going to want to know this information, too. So Mm -hmm. I have I have a friend. Well, I have a few friends that like did not post their kids on social media, didn't really post a lot of details around their children for even the first few years. And I even know still a few that if they share pictures of their child, their child's face is not visible at all. And I've seen a few celebrities do that too, but I always thought about kind of like the digital footprint of a, of a child and, you know, like how soon are we exposing them to this online life, right? Because for a lot of us, we didn't have all of this as kids, you know, like this is something that has only been around and like, widely in what the last like 20 30 years or so maybe or not even 30 years maybe more like 25 20 years I don't know I feel like we were in middle school when people were on the internet more not a lot but more so than how they are now Yeah. yeah um and I mean I know there are a lot of our listeners even if say they are planning a wedding or they've already planned their wedding their parents or they're planning on becoming parents. And so these are things that they need to think about because yeah, like I think you can just disable some of like that information being collected on your phone once you're snapping it. Cause I think I happened to stumble across that a week or so ago, um, just tinkering in my settings for something else. And then seeing like, wait, Oh, this is information that, you know, is, telling me I was exactly at this place at this time and all of these details, all that metadata that I, I wasn't aware of that was being captured. So that's a, yeah. that's, it's called location services. Mm. You can disable them or you can, you know, put them on and off at will. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need it because you need the map to tell you where you're going. Right. Uh, they had a survey recently that said over, over 50% of people said without the the GPS in their phone uh, being able to map out where they're going, they wouldn't even be able to find where they work. <laughs> so. <laughs> My gosh, how are you not that? 
<laughs> tuned into your office. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I like surrounding. Yeah, he's always talking like about how I'm always relying on my GPS. Please let me know where the cops are or whatever. <laughs> that's the only reason why I have it on. But that's, <laughs> you know, so I can slow down in, you know, in certain areas. But other than that, I mean, I mean, I try not to rely on it too, too much. But I mean, I believe that survey is correct. <laughs> Definitely. So what should they do or people do to reduce risk while on their honeymoon? The most important thing in your honeymoon is don't take an unnecessary risk. You know, people like to throw caution to the wind, but the same rules apply at a beach resort like they apply at home. So, you know, don't provide personal or payment information unnecessarily. Be aware of any deals that seem to be good to be true. Keep a close eye on payment information and sensitive documents like passports. Also, that's why transaction alerts are good. Track your credit scores because if someone gets a hold of your your financial information as a result of some place that you checked in or your credit card or debit card disappears, if your credit score takes a sudden precipitous drop, that means all of a sudden you're a victim of identity theft. You need to know that. Also, there are virtual private networks, VPNs, and this is, think of it as an encrypted tube between your device and whatever the device is that you're trying to connect to, like a website, for instance. And there are a lot of VPNs out there. You want the ones where you actually pay for them. And there are many that are very well known, like DuckDuckGo is one that people can't tell who you are when you're searching things online. But think about it, when you're out and about and on your honeymoon, you're at resorts and many resorts, they have insecure networks. Your phone even says to you, beware, you're logging on to an insecure network. And so you just want to be very careful. A VPN makes you a little bit more secure. Also, instead of uh, logging into the network of the hotel, you may want to create a, a mobile hotspot which you can do through your mobile provider. That'll give you, you know, greater protection. And uh, be careful when you travel and notify your financial institutions, for instance, that you're traveling because you don't want them all of a sudden to shut off your credit or your debit card because they go, I'm used to you being in the state of Washington. What are you doing in England <laughs> or Asia? Uh, that's important to be open with them also, you be alert for, there are certain scams in hotels, for instance. Uh, you check in, it's nighttime, you're tired, you go to bed. An hour later, the telephone rings. Someone represents themselves to be from the front desk and says that uh, when you gave them the credit card information, they must have entered the data incorrectly because your credit card was declined. So would you mind reading your credit card information again, or could you give them another credit card uh, so that they have that on file? Uh, those are scammers. Uh, if you get a call from the front desk, or at least that claims it's from the front desk, and they ask you to repeat your payment information, it's worth it to you to get up and go downstairs or go over to the office and, uh, you know, look at them in the eye and say, okay, here's the payment information. Uh, another thing that, that people get caught up is they will see flyers under their doors 
for hotels that don't necessarily have room service 24-7. And you'll say, well, it's late. I'm starving. My family's starving or my, my spouse. We're going to order something. So you call the phone number. They answer as if it's a restaurant. You give them your order. They ask you for your credit card information. It sounds very normal. You hang up. An hour later, there's no food because you were dinner. <laughs> they basically were designed it to steal your information. Also on honeymoons, beware of the local who says, have I got a terrific spot nobody knows about that you should definitely see because you're here. Go through the concierge of the hotel, even though someone who's local may know a place that's very cool or the secret cave. The last thing in the world you want to do is end up being the secret because you went to the cave, but there wasn't any cave. Uh, so, you know, these are the kinds of things you, you have to stay on high alert, even when your inclination is I'm on my honeymoon and I'm here to relax and have a great time because I'm entering into the next phase of my life. You just want to make sure that as you enter that phase, someone isn't trying to take your new life away from you on a variety of levels. Oh, gosh, I'm thinking about some stuff I've just even done on trips where it's like, oh, that could have gone a whole different way. Sheesh. Oh, no. Now Absolutely. I understand why Brandon moves the way that he moves. I call my husband FBI because he's like, no, I don't want my name there. I don't want my phone number there. Don't give him my email address. Don't do this. Don't do that. I'm just like, ah, you're driving me crazy. But now I understand why. <laughs> but what, what you can do and, and to, to keep Brandon safe and to still live a life is if you know you're going to be traveling, you're going to be doing things that are lots of fun, but could expose your information create a separate email account. Even through Google Voice, get a separate phone number. So they won't know what your real phone number is. They won't know what your real email address is. This is a feeder email address. Uh, so it just gives you additional layer of protection. And it just takes a couple of minutes to set up another email account. And it's funny that you say this because he has both. <laughs> uh, and he knows his Google voice number by heart. And I'm just like, hey, well. Just even, even on when you talk about, uh, you know, weddings in general, when you get ready to go through the process and you know your information is going to be out there, whether it's a wedding expo or the different vendors, get a separate email address yeah. and run everything through that email address or through your, your uh, Google voice. It's just, it's more comforting. And it just makes you feel a little less terrified when you go out there that everyone's going to know everything. I hope you all are writing these gems down. <laughs> As I like right. to say, I call everything gems, but yes, hopefully you all are writing this down. Well, I, I can say one thing that a, a lot of these gems are actually contained in a book that my co-host Bo Friedlander and I wrote a few years ago called Swiped how to protect yourself in a world full of scammers, fishers, and identity thieves, where we talk about all the different kinds of scams. And the most interesting thing is everything that we said in 2015 and 16 holds up today. Wow. All these scams are, they're basic. And the only thing that changes is the wrapper. Like for instance, charity scams have been around forever, but the, the big charity scam this year is the Ukraine. 
is that there will be people representing themselves to be charities that are helping people in the Ukraine that are only helping the people behind them to your money. So there are very legitimate charities where you can help the businesses and, and people in the Ukraine. And then there are potential scams. So you go to like Charity Navigator and you, you look at the different charities that you may be thinking about and they vet charities. And there's a, a few of these charity vetting websites or the Better Business Bureau or the Department of Consumer Affairs in your state. So it's, it's out there. The tools are there for you. It's just a question of knowing where they are and using them. All right. So let's talk about online shopping because a lot of us grab things off the internet all the time. We are either buying clothes or what have you, but, um, and even some people will buy engagement rings or buy diamonds or different stones or even settings from, you know, whatever shop they found online or shoot, it could be Etsy. So what advice would you have for those that are navigating those online waters when buying bridal or wedding things? Well, the first thing is be very careful of anything that shows up as a banner ad or uh, you get an email and say, just click here because that link could end up with your computer getting ransomware on it or you being taken to a clone website that looks very realistic, but isn't, or they put something on your computer, which is called keystroke logging, which means that every time that you will log into a different account, the logon information is being transmitted to the hacker. And that can come simply because you clicked on the wrong link or opened the wrong attachment and then clicked on a link. So if you don't want remorse, go to the source. So don't click the link to go to Macy's or Neiman's or some particular shop that you've heard about. First, read reviews about it. And then if you're satisfied and comfortable, go directly to the website of that business. But even then, I'll give you the even then part, there's something called e-skimming. Now, you know about credit card skimming where they have these skimmers. And well, e-skimming is where a hacker will put malicious code on a legitimate website and the website, the company doesn't realize it's on there, which they should if they did the proper monitoring of their website. And there's no way that a consumer would know, none, because it's, it's hidden and it's right by the where you cash out or you provide your payment information. So that's why you need transaction alerts because it may feel perfectly innocent. It may be a, an absolutely legitimate website, but that website has been contaminated, but you didn't know it because there's no way you would know it. That's why you need to know what's going on in your credit card and your bank accounts almost real time. And transaction alerts give you almost real time. So, you know, those are some, some of the things that, that, that you do. Also, again, do your homework. Scammers love online. So do your homework, read reviews. Also, when you're uh, offered the possibility of downloading an app, which is very cool, very new, let's say it's the new wedding planning app or whatever, be very careful to read reviews on what that app is because there are fake apps out there specifically designed 
to make you feel like it's the real thing, except once it gets on your mobile device, then all hell breaks loose and it will be sucking up your contacts. It could be putting malware on your device. It can do a lot of things. It can be looking to steal information from you. So go to the Apple App Store. Most legitimate apps are there. Go to the Google Play, that, that store. Just be careful. Google has had certain incidents with its App Store that Apple hasn't had. So the safest, and even that is not a thousand percent, but the safest is Apple. If it's an app on Apple, as long as you know you 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 see that there have been a sufficient number of reviews and most of them are positive, that's a good thing. But if you don't see a lot of reviews for something, um, and what you do see is not overwhelmingly positive, maybe you'll need to look for another app on the Apple App Store. I like once. Once we're done here, I'm going to do a purge of everything. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, too, is as as you guys had talked about, we've all talked about today, is that if something sounds too good to be true online, there's a good bet that it is. Uh, there's no way you're getting an incredible piece of jewelry or the most fabulous wedding dress ever at a 90% discount. Not going to happen. So... Just be sensitive to what the pricing is and read reviews. Very good advice. So we have a list of questions here for you. Um, we're going to give you some examples. And what we would like for you to do is tell us some red flags that will go off that will let you know that this may or may not be legit. Okay. So after a call with a potential DJ, a wedding DJ, um, the DJ sends an email with an invoice for $2,000. She said that there is a retainer fee. And so she says that this must be paid within three business days or else she won't be able to provide the entertainment for the wedding. Is this a red flag? Yes. Um, Yeah. The first red flag is the DJ should have presented you with a contract where the retainer fee and the timeline were both clearly indicated. And the terms of payment should have been described up front in the consultation call, as opposed to if they don't talk to you about price or they do talk to you about price, but what you see is very different than what you heard, uh, be very concerned. So you want the contract, the timeline, and the payment terms in advance. You want to know in the consultation call, and then you want to see it in print before you go any further. Great advice. Yes. All right. So a bride posts that she's looking for a floral designer in a local wedding Facebook group. There's a whole bunch of these. So someone responds and says, hey, I'm available. Message me for more information. So then the bride messages her, shares information about the wedding date. Like we're, you know, getting married at this location. We have this many people we're inviting We're going to need, say, centerpieces for 20 tables, sweetheart table decorations, corsages, boutonnieres, an arch, you know, all the standard kind of like wedding floral needs. And the designer says, okay, I can do that. Um, Just pay me on the wedding day, which is like almost an entire year away. What are the red flags that are popping up here? Well, when I was in politics, we used to have a great line, which was before they tell you what they're going to do, ask them to show you what they've done. Uh, 
So what you want to say to the floral designer is, you know, I would love to see a portfolio of your past projects. And it would also be helpful if you could give me some references. And I would like an itemized estimate of the services you're going to provide and a detailed contract with terms, a refund policy, and deliverables for the day of the wedding. And then they got to sign it. This is after you're confirmed they're the real deal and not some scammy creature wandering around out there. I will say that one was something I loosely read, sent to me a screenshot of something I saw and was like, how did, how did you even get there? What is even happening? Anyway. All right. So the makeup artist that was supposed to do the bride's makeup for her bridal shower cancels three days in advance or three days before the shower because of what she said was a family emergency. However, later when scrolling Instagram, the bride sees that the makeup artist was really on a last minute vacation with her boyfriend that same weekend. Well, um, this is where check references, read reviews from past customers Because if someone really has a long history of professionalism and happily uh, satisfied customers, they're not the kind of person that would take a last minute vacation with their boyfriend. So this is where, you know, sort of know before you go. And that is, you know, make them show you. Now, if it's somebody you've known for a long time, and let's say they've done work for for you before, it, it's not impossible that they might have not had a family emergency, but, you know, social media is the great exposer. You know, divorce attorneys say the greatest invention for them was social media uh, because all of a sudden someone who's, no, I don't do this. I don't go out or do anything. I've been loyal. I've been true. And all of a sudden you see them tagged on all sorts of pictures at all sorts of parties with, with people that, their spouse didn't know about these are the kind of things that come back to haunt you, just like um, disability lawyers will tell you that when someone files a disability claim, uh, one of the first things they do is go to social media, because if someone says, I can't work, I'm injured, and yet here they are on a slope in Zermatt uh, skiing, well, then you know there's something not quite right there. So it's really all about read the history, follow, follow their exploits on social media, follow them. Do that as part of your research, but also people can fake stuff. We know that. So that's where reviews come in really handy. Good point. And yes, I would even say frequently look at reviews, even after you've booked them, (laughs) because things can change. (laughs) So true. Yes. Yes. A bride finds an online bridal gown designer. I've seen this occur so many times. Bridal gown designer that will make custom dresses because maybe she saw a dress on Pinterest, on Instagram or or something, and she wants it, you know, or is inspired by something she saw. So the bridal gown designer promises this bride that, hey, I'll have your dress ready by February, which is perfect because the wedding is in April. So the designer throughout the process has FaceTimed this bride about three times to show her the progress of the dress. The bride thinks that the dress looks slightly different from what they agreed upon, but assumed it was just due to the quality of the FaceTime. The bride has already paid the designer two thirds of the cost and the final one third is due right before the designer ships the dress to her. 
So when the dress arrives, she realizes that, yeah, it's what she thought. There's like a poor quality of fabric. It just feels very cheap. The beading is easily falling off. There's, you know, kind of pulling at the seams, things like that. It's just not the quality of what she initially hoped for and expected. She takes this back to the designer and the designer says, there's no time to fix this by the time of the wedding. Oh, well, what are the red flags here? Well, there's a, there's a bunch of red flags. <laughs> and that is that... Uh, um, this is where, you know, the devil's in the details. So ask about the specific materials. And in fact, there, there you can even say, show me the specific fabric. And then, you know, check it out online as to, is that what you think is the real deal? Also ask for high-res photographs of the dress in progress because it would be helpful. Now, if something seems off or different, then it's important to bring it to their attention immediately. And paying two-thirds of money for something that is a make or break in your life in advance is not a good idea. You got you to make them work for it, which means you pay them less, but assure them that because you have a contract that you're going to pay or else obviously they can come after you. But again, it's all about a clear contract, describing what the dress is in detail, and then having a guarantee for customer satisfaction. The only problem here is that it doesn't matter if they fulfill the guarantee after the wedding, you're sufficiently depressed because you've now worn the dress and it, it wasn't what you expected or what you wanted. That's why it's so important to get it all in writing and then follow it in stages. Just like when you do construction contracts, you're doing work on a house and they give you applications for payment for the work, it's, you know, you have a chance anywhere along the way to go, wait a minute, uh, you say you did this, but you didn't do this. Or I saw what you did, but the quality was horrendous. I want you to redo it before we go on to the next step, before I pay you for what you claim you've done. And I think we have the ability yes. to actually say that. Now, I know that, you know, if the contract is already in place, you may have to, um, you know, get it tweaked a little bit, but I mean, Hey, just ask them, Hey, can I have my lawyer or edited it? And like, you know, I don't think a lot of people actually think about that or feel comfortable asking these questions. However, I do think if you have a lot of money on the line, then I mean, Hey, I mean, I'm not, they could tell you yes, or they could tell you no. So, I mean, it's worth asking the question here. No, and absolutely. And if you don't get the answer you want, don't assume it's going to get better. Yeah. yeah. What you see is maybe they're at their best form when they're trying to get you to do a deal. Mm -hmm. So they they don't get better after the deal is struck. Uh, that's why you just you have to be very careful and you have to make sure that a professional reviews the contracts. It is worth the fee to have a lawyer review the contracts and and point out to you. Oh, they have an escape clause here. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. There's no escape here because there's no escape from the wedding day. Exactly. I think a lot of people too assume you, like when it comes to contracts, that this is it. Hard 
it's in concrete, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. But then also, I think there's a level of sometimes, and I think this is like low-key a manipulation tactic with vendors, but this sense of urgency, like you have to sign this immediately because someone else is also asking about this date or someone else is also trying to get the same thing you're trying to get. And when you're so overwhelmed with wedding planning, because this is not probably something you've done before, you don't know, you know, sometimes what, what, what all of this means, or you skim through the contract super quickly and just sign it. And then it's like, oh shoot, like, well, what does that mean? You know? And so then months later, you have a wedding dress that you hate, but there were all these, you know, you could have asked those questions beforehand. You could have found out all these details in advance. Like, I feel like true and good wedding vendors are not going to, like, yes, there may be another couple looking at the same date, possibly. But they're not going to rush you. If you have questions, they're going to answer those questions for you. They'll go through it. They're not trying to scam you because I, I think a, a true like really good vendor knows that I'm good at what I do. So I don't have to make you think that you're losing out because if you don't go with me, that's fine. Someone else will, you know, I feel like there's a certain level of confidence where they don't have to try to trick you. So anyway, just random thought there. The hallmark of scammers is they make you have a sense of urgency. That's not realistic. So they, they, whether it's, this is the IRS calling and you panic, or you get a text that says your account's been frozen and you got to click on the link here and you have to log in again because you have to authenticate yourself or your room, you know, the room's going to be gone unless you pay for it right now. And then they come back sometimes with fake travel agencies or scammers and they go, um, you know, the problem is that the room was double booked. We didn't realize it was double booked. But if you give us a little extra money, we can give a little extra vig to the hotel manager and we'll get you your room. So you have to be careful. Just, just like in honeymoons, one other thing is when you travel, make sure that you're using either a travel agent that you know that you've worked with before or a highly respected third-party travel site that has been uh, extremely reviewed and vetted uh, because that's where you can get into a lot of where you can spend a lot of money and then find out that it doesn't exist or will people will rent a home for their, you know, honeymoon as, and they get to the home and someone answers the door. It's like, who are you? <laughs> and because you basically were scammed. This is crazy. This is crazy. There's so many ways to get scammed <laughs> these days. All right. So let's see. So what business practices can wedding vendors implement to prevent the chance of getting scammed by potential clients? Yep. See, now we're talking in reverse. And it's also true. The whole question is, how do you protect a legitimate business against people who would try to scam it? Number one, that for consumers and businesses, a well-written and clear contract. And if this is a real human being, they should be willing to pre present identification and agree to a timeline and, and payments to make sure they are who they say they are and they're able to make the payments that they claim they're able to make for the services you render. And this is also where it's very important to 
have a dialogue, keep it going. Because you may pick up little red flags in a conversation with somebody that turns out not to be who they represented themselves to be, because maybe they uh, presented to you a fraudulent identification. And at that point, if they've stolen someone's identity, they don't have a problem with signing a contract and agreeing to anything because at the end of the day, it doesn't lead back to them. So in your communications, there will be little red flags that will show up if this is not the real person. This is all true. And last question, what advice would you give to any bride or groom that are planning their wedding in a scammy world? Rule number one, don't get rushed into making a decision. Do background research. It's always better to potentially lose something that was a fraud uh, than you know, get yourself involved in a situation where you acted precipitously. Also, ask others. I mean, people in the wedding party can help do some of the legwork in vetting vendors and services. And if someone's going to plan a bachelor or bachelorette party, you know, spending a few minutes to research vendors and look over contracts, you're not asking that much from them. And beware of anything that seems like it costs too little or too much. I mean, the wedding industry is it's large enough that, that you can comparison shop and competitive enough that vendors should be able to provide detailed accounts of past projects and clients. It's all about disclosure. Again, anybody can operate a business any way they want to, as long as you as the consumer know what the ground rules are, and then you're adult enough to do the research and make sure that you're comfortable doing business with this particular business or this particular individual. Credit cards, not debit cards. Also, strong passwords and two-factor authentication because you're going to be going on a lot of different websites and they're going to ask you to create a, an account, a profile, and then you know create strong passwords and long passwords and and two-factor authentication is, authentication is critical because if someone gets their hands on your password and in a world where breaches are happening every minute, you know, you could have the most indecipherable password in the world, but if it's discovered because it, you've used the same password across your universe of accounts, they're going to use that password to try to get into as many things of yours as they possibly can, counting on the fact that people use the same passwords everywhere. So do that. Transaction alerts. You need to know what's going on in your accounts. And, and a lot of people go, I don't want to go online and look at every one of my accounts. You don't have to. If you get transaction alerts, you'll know what's going on. And also get your credit report, read your credit report, and look for what you didn't do as opposed to what you did do. And frankly, when you're getting married to someone, I think it's very important. And I mean, I, I had a company, credit.com, which I sold in 2015. But one, one piece of advice we always gave people, before you say I do, make sure you say I did, which means each of you looked at the credit report of the other. Because when you start combining finances, or you start relying on the credit of the other spouse, which happens in a lot of a lot of situations where someone has bad credit, someone has good credit, 
and they rely on the good credit while they're attempting to build up the credit of the person who didn't have such good credit. It's important to know what you're what you're getting into and be upfront and honest about it. Because if somebody is on the verge of bankruptcy, you don't need to know that once the papers are signed and you know you've the, the groom has kissed the bride. <laughs> uh, but these are all things about it's all about disclosure, knowing the truth, feeling comfortable with what you know is the truth. And then having people stand up. I mean, you're taking a vow, live up to the vow and be honest and straightforward. Because if you're not, it could come back to hurt you big time a few months down the road in your new life. Yes. I didn't even think about the, yeah, potentially getting scammed by the person you're married. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has happened. But yeah. Well, no, remember, there is nothing more dangerous that if things go south is a spouse who knows everything about you and is not happy with you and wants to, as a parting gift, uh, make life miserable for you. And it happens to a lot of people. But if you're open and honest and you know what each other has, but also that you, you use your own long and strong passwords and your own two-factor authentication your own email for things, that's all good. That won't hurt you. It's all about you have a life together, but you're also evolving as individuals and building a life for yourself as a person so you feel divined and secure. That's extremely true. There have been movies that I can think of right now where this has happened to. And and I think it was based off of a true story. You know, so... Yeah, you can definitely get scammed in your marriage. It, well, like the the movie, uh, the TV uh, series, limited series, uh, The Undoing, mm-hmm. with Hugh Grant, mm-hmm. or a new one that that's uh, come out not too long ago called Anatomy of a Scandal, which is mm-hmm. on Netflix. That's really yeah. good, really good. And they're both David Kelly uh, produced. Oh, David series. Kelly. <laughs> I'm gonna have yeah. to pull that up. I mean, yeah, same, same. He did. He's. Uh, I think he's behind Big Sky, which is what yes, we're watching is. on ABC. Yeah, and uh, what Big I love, Little Lies too. I think right. I think so, but I love Big Sky. I became addicted to. It. I mean, my my favorite show is uh, Yellowstone, oh, and yeah, uh, yeah. and and Big Sky is well, it takes place in Montana, like Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little bit different, but. You know, intrigue, murders, all that kind of stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, David Kelly, very, very good. Top flight. Yeah. I'm going to have to pull that up. I think we're at the point of like, what's our new show we're going to watch? So I may suggest like, hey, we have three shows. <laughs> 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 we're going on a David Kelly spree. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. We're not going to let you go just yet. We're going to do the vendor love and then the shout out. All right, so we're going to move into wedding vendor love. Adam, who would you like to shout out this week? One of the things we didn't talk about today, but it's very important when you're thinking about your passwords. Uh, and of course, acknowledging the fact that password is not a password, uh, or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or QWERTY. And there's a thing called password managers because people say, I can't, I mean, how am I supposed to remember 100 passwords? 
So a password manager is something that it's multi-platform. So the good ones, you pay for them. And you don't have to worry if you're going on to a different browser or something like that. You have this password manager. And they will create long and strong passwords for you. They will also inventory passwords that you feel like you can't live without. Although that's usually when you get in trouble, if you have a password you can't live without. And, you know, some of the good ones are OnePass, LastPass, Dashlane, Nord has one. Uh, So again, read reviews because different ones offer different features, but uh, password managers are important. Another thing which is extremely important with a service is that a lot of people don't realize, I mean, in the, in the book scam as, as swipe, we talk about what we call the three M's. How do you minimize your risk of exposure? How do you monitor so you know you have a problem as quickly as possible? And how do you manage the damage? And, you know, if we had hours, I could go through all the M's, but on the third one, how do you manage the damage? A lot of people don't realize now that through their insurance company, their auto owner, rental, or homeowner policy, through their financial services institution, generally more credit unions than banks, and through their employers now, uh, there are programs available that in the event that you find yourself compromised or you think you've been compromised, you simply contact the designated service provider, in some cases, the insurance company wants you to call their claims department and then they pass you through. Uh, but there are companies out there, my former company, CyberScout, I sold them a year ago, um, that will help you through an identity incident. They will make all the calls. They will write the letters. Uh, they will uh, get you on the phone with the fraud department of the credit reporting agency. They'll get alerts on your file. They'll get your credit frozen. And they will do all the work and they will get you put back together again. And then they will check on you uh, six months after their work is done or they think it's done. And then a year later, just to make sure you're still okay. And this is a, this is a relatively new thing with employers now, but almost 35% of all employers offer it as part of their employee benefits program, either employer paid or voluntary benefits program. And, uh, It is invaluable because it's one thing to have your credit card compromised. You make a phone call and, you know, they change the the credit card number for you uh, or they put a flag on your account. But once you start moving up the chain of, of identity theft to when they're creating new accounts in your name, when they're stealing your children's identity, when they're getting medical treatment in your name, or when they're committing a crime and the trail of breadcrumbs leads back to you, that's much more difficult to resolve. And that's why you need a professional in your corner. So check with your insurance agent, your financial services rep, or your employer and say, do you have a program that'll help me through an identity incident? Am I in it? Because in some cases, a perk of your relationship, you're just in it. Or what do I have to do to get in it? Is it free? Is it deeply discounted or what do I have to pay? But uh, you'd be surprised at how many of these programs are out there and they're good and they're available and they give you access to top flight people who will get you through really ugly situations. 
right i'm about to look this up to see if like if this is a benefit that we offer because i know we have some voluntary ones they didn't go into too much detail about but i feel like this may be there interesting Mm -hmm. that's very good to know yeah very very good to know so that's kind of like a universal uh cyber vendor shout out (laughs) yes and i think we all need it that information because this is information yeah. that I have no idea about, you know, so I'm pretty sure there's someone else out there that like had no clue about this. And so thank you so much for that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This has been such a, such a great episode. I am so Never sure mind. this is going to be one of the ones that people are talking about for years to come. Ashley, who would you like to shout out this week? I am shouting out a California floral designer named Teresa with Figure 8 Events. Her work is very beautiful. If you're looking for set design, wedding design, floral backdrops, any and everything, she got you. She's part of Black Girl Florists, which we love them. She's part of a lot of your favorite, you know, places that you probably follow for like Instagram or you know, wedding inspiration, things like that. She is just really, really good at what she does. Her work is beautiful. She has a wide design palette. So that means she can design basically to everyone's type of styles, whether you are the glam girl or you are boho chic, up to you. Teresa got you. So figure eight events on Instagram at figure eight events, eight is spelled out. Or go to figure8events.com. Tania, who are you going to shout out? So this week, I'm going to shout out a traveling photographer who specializes in lifestyle and intimate weddings. Her name is, and I do apologize if I'm saying your name incorrectly, I think it's pronounced Chancia. She's located in Detroit. Um, you can find her on IG at Chancia D on Instagram, and that's C-H-A-U-N-C-I-A-V, as in Victor. Or you can find her, chantiavphotography.com. She's more of a documentarian. You can definitely feel the emotions in her in her photography. So definitely look her up if you are in need of a photographer. She is located in Detroit. However, she is definitely down to travel. So d- please look her up. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming on. Where can people find you if they want to know more, if they want to buy your book, if they want to listen to the podcast, plug all and everything. Well, they they can find me around the corner at the bar. No, um, (laughs) Adam Adam Levin.com is our website, which is sort of the educational website for all of the stuff we do. Um, What the Hack with Adam Levin is the podcast. And the book is Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. But we have a lot of fun. It's kind of like car talk, but cyber. And uh, we always have really fun and fascinating guests on. You know, we've had some that have been a little rough because somebody actually had PTSD as a result of their profile being stolen and used by a thief to lure other people into romance scams. But a lot of people just enjoy the concept of coming onto a shame-free zone and talking about what happened, what they might've done better, what they could have looked out for, what they did do that was terrific that they avoided becoming victimized. 
But the whole thing, living in a, in a scam world, unfortunately, it's all about sharing the experience so that other people can understand, wow, I didn't even realize that was a problem or gosh, I do that all the time. And we've had a number of people on our show, I think you may have listened to the ones where they lost their Instagram account. And we've, we've had, we've been able to recover a couple of them for them. But, you know, the issue with Instagram is unless you catch it almost in a split second, yeah. it's gone. And when you're dealing with the big tech companies, they don't care that you have a problem. Right. Uh, because unless it's a massive problem, like millions of people suddenly lost their Instagram accounts, it's not what they worry about. Because again, this is the whole intersection of convenience versus security. And whenever that's involved, convenience always wins. Security doesn't win. And these big websites are going, it's not our fault that you used a really stupid password or clicked on the wrong link or opened the wrong attachment or didn't have two-factor authentication when we offered to you. Yeah, that's, that's how they got me. But <laughs> I was lucky. I got my account back. I was very, very steadfast. And I definitely put two-step verification on the second I got it back. Well, actually, no, I think I had two-step verification beforehand. Anywho, it was a whole thing. I was well, thank, you. thank God you got it back. Because yeah. you are you are among a small group of people. Yeah. And they have these, you know, you go to these websites and go, here's the list of things you need to do to get your Facebook account back, your Instagram mm -hmm. account. I mean, it's exhausting just reading the things you have to do, much less right. doing those things in order to get it back. Yeah, seriously. In like in the middle of trying to research this, watching a bunch of videos and reading different articles about people that same thing happened to them or similar stories happen to them. And then having every single person that you know, text you or email you or mm. try to find another way to communicate to you or even blow you up to me and say, hey, her account, I think, was hacked. And it's like, I know, <laughs> I know I'm working on it. Thanks for the reminder. You're about five hours late, but <laughs> we're working on it. Yeah, thanks for helping. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just don't report my page so it gets deleted like just report the page she's tagging whatever bitcoin hacker anywho well ptsd on my side there but again adam thank you so much we don't want to hold you up i we could really talk to you i'm sure for another like two or three hours just about <laughs> all of this um but again, thank you so much for coming on and yes. sharing all this knowledge with us because it was I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's going to be like, even if you know most of this, there's going to be something you did not know. And there's going to be something for you to take away and kind of consider moving forward. Well, Ashley, Tania, thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, this was great fun. And let's do it again. Yeah, for sure. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Because there's so much more to talk about. Because if you go to his website and read the articles, like, there's just so much information there. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And so if you all like, you know, reading and investigating, please just go to his website because he has a, 
all these articles on what's new because there's yeah. a lot there's a lot of people out there that want to get all your money <laughs> and they don't care right. they don't care what it does to you they don't care how hard you worked for the money no not, not at all but yeah. even if you don't like reading there's the podcast what the heck is such a great listen to very yeah. true. yes very true well thank you so much and have a terrific day or night or yes. afternoon or thank you <laughs> if you ever wanted to find anyone that has ever been shouted out on this show and all 300 plus wedding vendors that have been shouted out, which is a wild to even think of, but you will be able to find them on find.huidu.com. So if you don't remember what we said, or you're listening to an episode later and you want to look that person up, or maybe you don't remember how to spell their name or what have you, you can always go there and easily find them. So just a little mental note, but Tania, where can people find us? You can find us on huido.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok. Find Ashley at Demi Tosh on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at Bell Story on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you again. We'll be back. See y'all next week.